Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know, So and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, we're breaking down the Dolphins training camp. We're talking UFC 277 as they crown a new champion, and we get into it with the struggling Marlins. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. bro yeah we back we are back son yeah August man. first first of the month wake up wake up wake up you know it's funny my boy roddy <laughs> sends that every first of the month <laughs> shout out to roddy dog yeah, but this month he was lacking he was uh, lacking. He's, about to, he's, he's about to have a kid my cousin and uh, we're expecting so nice shout out he to has a lot going too, on right now man. but i was like yo roddy where you at and i sent it out he's like he said it was like laughing my ass was cracking up dope, dope, but, dope. yeah the first of the month vibes bro fresh month you know, we football in season's around the corner. I'm feeling good. How you feeling? I'm feeling real good, brother. But the question is, how is Tyreek Hill feeding? Ah, well, I'm, I got the answer for you. Let's do it. I know y'all feeling the same way I'm feeling right now. Can I get a whole yeah? Can I get a whole yeah? Let's go, man. Thank you guys so much for coming out. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. Plays made on both sides of the ball, man. So, guys. Make sure you bring your energy because we need y'all today. This sun ain't no joke, man. Get your popcorn ready, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to run through a brick wall. (laughs) This dude's ready. I'm surprised you're not wearing more Dolphins gear, bro. Yeah. You're usually, like, squatted up. I mean, I got commended today for my for my Dolphin-esque because I, I did my good deed. I was at Publix, and I was I was getting there to get something, and then I saw a lady getting in her car, and she was trying to figure out what to do with her cart. Okay. And I was like, you want I'll me take to take it. that? Yeah, I was like, you want me to take that for you? She was like, oh, really? I can tell you're a Dolphins fan. You're a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Because I had my lanyard. And nice. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. But, dog, I'm, I'm hyped. A lot of people season, are hyped. Bro. A lot of people are hyped, and they have the right to be hyped, right? Um, I mean, we've gone over it over numerous times on the show, right? But now it's a little bit different. Now we're starting to see the real dynamics like begin to take shape, right? Between Tua, uh, Tyreek Hill, obviously, and Jaden Waddle, and and what these guys are going to bring to the offense this year. It's definitely exciting because we haven't had an offense like this in. Lovers when no, I don't want to say ever. You know, we've we've seen some pretty good dolphin offenses, but none this high powered in in a real long time, right? Over twenty years, over twenty five years. What right? I mean, man. So with with this combination and the characters that are at play, it's gonna be a very very interesting year for the Dolphins and training camp kicking off. You know, just brings that excitement to full tilt for a lot of Dolphins fans. No, nah, it looked it looked like it was fun out there, man. The, the training camp videos so far have been lit. We've been seeing a bunch of highlights. We've been seeing my boy QB one, Tua making plays out there, which I know people are still gonna have something to say about it. But you know, it's just reassuring for me to see that he looks healthy. He looks like he's in good form. Right. Uh, he looks like he's in sync with with his guys. I feel like you know there there's good vibes around this training camp and around this team right now, man. There's a lot of good synergy. You and, know? and you know, with Tua specifically, if you want to start there, we can. Um, we saw something that people were dying to see. Right, everybody on social media saw those tweets that people at Dolphins camp were putting out. 
of Tua making these beautiful 45, Mm -hmm. 60-yard throws, you know, basically forcing Tyreek Hill to catch up to that ball, right? A couple of underthrows. But you you see the dynamic start to build between those two guys, and, and that potential, right, is is really based on something solid because we know what Tyreek Hill brings to the table, and we know that Tyreek uh, Tua can be accurate. The one thing that's been lacking is the big playability, and we know that Tyreek Hill was brought in for that specifically. I was encouraged. I'm not going to say hyped, but I was encouraged to see Tua not be afraid when he's making those throws, right? Really turning into it, digging in, and just letting that ball go with everything he has, right? Because that just shows that he's starting to trust Tyreek Hill and the the playmakers that he has on the outside. We saw Jalen Waddle go up and make a really tough catch against um this dude, the uh, Xavier Howard. No, the Needham. Nick Needham. Yeah. He made uh, a, I saw the one on just earlier today that got posted uh, with Watt. He had Howard covering him, and it was a throw to the outside. Beautiful ball, like placement, the money. spiral, like money. And, and it was a great defensive play by Howard right. on the play, but Waddle made the catch. And, and more importantly, Tua made the throw. Yeah. You know? And, like, him making the throw is what it was all about last year. People were doubting his ability to make the throw. People were doubting if he even has the arm strength to make those throws. He wouldn't be an NFL quarterback if he didn't have the arm strength to make those throws, right? Like, I don't think so much the question was around his accuracy as it was that deep ball threat. Does right. Tua have that in him to do it? I mean, we, and we just saw, like you just said, uh, you know, from training camp this week. Granted, it's, it is training camp. This is just the beginning of it all. True. But it's nice to see him throw the ball 65 yards through the air. And hit Tyreek Hill in stride. Like For sure. You said, you said Tyreek, you know, caught up to it I, I, or had to catch up. I, I mean, I think that was – he was going to get there no matter what. No, dog. no. It was so crazy to see him break, dog, <laughs> past the defense. That Just see him take off. Like, that's something that we have not seen ever on this Dolphins team. We have had playmakers, right? But think about the best receiver the Dolphins have had in the last 20 years. So, yeah, hey, give me give me a name. Who do you think we got? There's a couple guys out there. There's J- Jarvis Landry, right? There's Brandon Marshall. There's Chris Chambers that had a, a lot of good years for the Dolphins. I love Chris Chambers. I'm a huge Chris Chambers. Real fan. good years for the Dolphins. So who's our best receiver in the last twenty years? No, for sure you got to say um, it was probably Landry, right? Because he came in with that hype from LSU and he delivered. You know, he was a a, a game day warrior. Little guy, wasn't really there for, like, had that big playability, but... Scrappy. Scrappy. Made catches. Broke him. Broke him for touchdowns, yep. right? Got yeah, first big, downs. Yeah, big playability. Big playability. Consistency. Sure. He's probably, before these guys got on yeah. board, he was probably the best receiver that we've had in the last 20, 25 years. Okay. Right? So, and then and then you have your um, your Chris Chambers, your maybe your Devontae Parkers, you know, those type of guys who were here for long enough time to make a, I mean, he didn't... he. Blew up after he played for us. Right. But I'm talking about impact and durability, yeah. right? Like, there's only been a, a I, handful. I guess the short answer is nobody. <laughs> it's been nobody. It's been nobody. Right. And now we have Tyreek Hill, a top, he's a top five receiver in the NFL, no matter any way you spin it. And he's in his prime. In, in, in the well, yeah, I think his prime already maybe happened. You know, started already in Kansas City, but yeah, he could. We could say he's still. You could argue he's, he's in, in, in his prime currently. Oh yeah, LeBron James is thirty seven, nah, going on thirty eight. 
but he's on the decline of his prime, which is still better, still better than what temp, you know, eighty percent of the league. Anyways, I say same thing with Tyreek Hill. We have never been in this position to have this superb of a talent, and on top of that, have a guy like Jalen Waddle that we just drafted last year. Sheesh, and it makes you go, damn. All right, now we got some some firepower here on the offense. Absolutely. And what's crazy, right? And look, just to retouch on that, that Tyreek Hill thing being out of his prime. I don't think that he's out of his prime. No, no, no. You can probably say that he's, he's peaked. He's still in his prime. You can say that he's peaked. Yeah. But he's definitely still in his prime. And that being the case, he's still in that 1% of the NFL where he's one of the most dangerous guys in the NFL. Absolutely. Right? His There's speed, only His speed alone kills. And when we had Sergio here, we went through that list where we were like, how many guys can you put up there with, with Tyreek Hill? There's only about three other guys, right, in the NFL, in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely still in his prime, and that's what he was brought here to do. Make mm-hmm. those big plays yeah, for us. Right? Exactly. Like whenever he was with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Right. They had a play. How many times did we see they run a play, goes nowhere, beautifully defended, and then all of a sudden Tyreek Hill just gets behind the secondary and fuck it, throw it out there. You know Tyreek's going to catch it. He would just launch it out there and they would score that way. How many times did we see that a the bunch. last few seasons and, with Kansas City? Uh, so we, we need to be able to do that this year. It's going to happen, the opportunities. And that question again is can he deliver that deep ball? But let me tell you something. It's not just the deep ball because I think one of the most deadly weapons, right, that Tyreek Hill possesses is that burst of speed. So he can catch a ball for five, six, seven, 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, and take it straight to the house. Over and over again, mm-hmm. where he doesn't necessarily have to burn through the defense on a specific play. Sure. If it's a broken down play, you best believe he's going to get back behind whoever. You know, you got to put three guys back there to try to cover him. But his other special ability, right, is that make a play, that yak, right, where he's going to catch it and boom, he's off for 30, 40, 50 yards. Shit like that is important. And I and that's why I feel like we haven't had that since the Juice days, right? Where Juice would make a catch for eight yards and turn it into 18, 25 yards. And he was a really good receiver for us. Tyreek Hill is going to be so much better than that for us. You mentioned his partnership with Waddle. It's crazy how we have two of the fastest guys in the NFL, point blank, two of the fastest guys in the NFL, and both of these guys are going to be playing on the outside. And neither one of them is like your prototypical six foot six, two hundred and fifteen pound wide receiver, you know. No, but we got help in that department recently. Yes, but I'll tell you something before we get to the Sanu thing. Um, I don't think that that you need guys like that anymore on the outside. You need guys who can jump, right? So if your vertical game is good, you're Gucci, right? You need guys who have. It. Fast enough speed to get behind whoever, whoever that first defender is. And both of those guys have that, Waddle and Hill. And then you need really good hands. And I'm sorry, I haven't seen Tyreek Tyreek Hill drop a lot of balls in my life. And and we saw how consistent Waddle can be, right? With an up-and-down coordinator and an up-and-down offense that's sputtering and still trying to find its way. This guy still put up ridiculous numbers for us as a rookie. Uh, th- th- that dynamic between those two, or like th- that that partnership, is gonna be really interesting to see what type of numbers they put up individually and how it bodes well for the rest of the offense. Let's talk numbers then. Who, if you had to pick, whose jersey are you buying? Ooh, who's gonna sell sheesh. more jerseys, Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle? The big think, name superstar or the young fresh rookie, you know, sophomore now that's damn. making making noise. Who are you going with, so? 
Bro, if I had to pick a jersey, if I had to pick a jersey, I'd probably go with Waddle. Yeah. Take right? It, take it, because I'm taking Hill, dog. Let's go. <laughs> I got the cheetah on my back. Let's go. The and reason we rock both, and we could, I was hoping you would see that. Perfect. Look how it worked out, and we didn't even plan this. But I, I think the reason why I would pick Waddle is because we drafted him. He's ours. You know what I mean? Right. He's our player. You can say we're grooming him. We're grooming him, and we and not even grooming him. We you just gotta be dra- careful nowadays saying we, that. We just drafted <laughs> exactly. We just drafted a really, really gr- good player who could potentially be one of the greats. Yeah. In this position, I'm not talking about an all time great. Maybe right. He still has that chance, but he's still really, really good off rip. So he has that potential for greatness. Who is great right now? Who's great right now? You know what I mean? He's he's going to be great next year, too, but he's great right now. Yeah. I don't think Waddle's great. Yeah. He could be great. Probably will be great. Mm-hmm. Because he has a guy like Tyreek Hill next to him. You know, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Do you think both of these guys can get over 1,000 yards this year? All right, so I was listening to the Fantasy Focus podcast with Field Yates and, and these guys, and uh, they were saying that Tyreek Hill hasn't had a 100-yard or 100-catch season. Right. And I think he's only caught for 1,000 yards once in his career or something like that. So this, that's a very good question. Um, do I think both of them go for a thousand? No, but I think at least one of them does. Which one? I think Tyreek does. I was gonna say Waddle. Waddle's gonna get a lot of good looks this year, bro. Yeah, hundred yards a game. Who do you game, double? Ten games. Yeah, who, it's very. Who do you double? You can't double fuck, both, bro. Is that it's possible they both go for a thousand, dog? That's what I'm saying. Like the defense is gonna have to make a decision on what specific down, what route am I willing to give up? Yeah, I'm changing my answer. They're both going for a thousand. That's what I was feeling because I just think of of the oh, production. Sorry, the, the stat wasn't a thousand yards. He's done that multiple times in his career. It was it's the hundred yards over. No, it's a double digit touchdowns or something like that. Cool. That's cool. Um, maybe they both don't do the double digit touchdowns, right? Maybe. Because there's a lot of other touchdowns to go around. So what are you what are you comfortable with then for them? For them, I'm 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 both one I'm, one of them has to be. I'm bo- I'm putting both of them over a thousand yards because the productivity and the catches are going to be there. Sure. How that's, many, how many that's, catches? That's no problem. Do they each get a hundred catches? Yeah. Or, no way. For sure. Each of them gets a hundred catches. Sure. For sure. You're gonna re- you got to remember. We're gonna try to use these I'm gonna guys. Say, I'm gonna say Waddle does get a hundred catches. I'm gonna say Tyreek doesn't. I'm going to tell you why Tyreek will probably touch 100 yard catches this year. Because the Dolphins are going to try to exploit the defense being so far back on him, right? Or allowing him to get those three-yard catches and allow him to get seven yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. And then he's going to build up those catches that way. And then he'll potentially be able to break them. Boom. And go over the top. Boom. Break them all. Go over the top. I think he's going to be double teamed so far, like so often that Waddle's going to have those looks more often yeah. to have more chances at catches. And that's where you're going to get the production for the catches and the yards. Right. But Tyreek is going to have that when when they finally start catching up to Waddle and they got, they're going to mess up and go single coverage on him. He's going to take that one catch for 50 yards and a touchdown. And that's how he's going to stack his stats. But he's not going to get to 100 catches, in my opinion, this year. I can see that. You know, I can see that. But either um, way, we winning, dog. We're winning, right? Um, let's touch on the running back group, man. Because no, we're not. You know, before we move on from receivers, you don't want to touch on what we just acquired. Yeah, okay, we could talk about Mohamed Sanu, but I mean, he's just another you know big body receiver. Now. I just feel like he got he can, he can block. He's a he's a big dude. He can go up for it. You know, my my whole thing is that he's just as a first year head coach would probably do. He's trying to surround himself with as many guys as possible that know his system, know how he is, and can sure. communicate that to the players. Sure, why not? 
and I get it. But I don't expect anything from Sanu. No, not on, not on the side of like. Nor oh, do I want to. It's, uh, I don't want to count on that guy. No, but think about it now. I mean, we just talked about all the action that that Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill are going right. to get coming into this season. So it's not not a bad idea to have a perfectly viable third option that's reliable. This guy's a journeyman. He's a career receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's going to make catches when these guys are double covered. If Tua finds a check down to him going to a flat or going outside or something, if we're going to be run heavy now, which we're going to get into right now after right. this with Moster, with um, uh, what, Sonny Michelle and gang and all these right. guys. We're going to need big body receivers that can block. You know what I mean? I think I would rather Tyreek and, and Sanu blocking on the outsides versus a Waddle out there or something. You know what I mean? But it, I just like it because we didn't really sacrifice anything for it. And yeah. it's just another body it's in a roster, you know? Who yes. knows if he makes it to the so, opening day roster? Like, I get all that thing that all of that you just said about Sanu, dog, but. I think you're overlooking two major things, right? Number one, we signed Cedric Wilson, and he's going to be on the field a lot, you know. If and if you're talk if you're talking fantasy production, this guy is going to get the third and fourth best matchup defensively every week. This guy is going to go in like the fifth round as a third receiver for because these other two guys are going to be gone quick, right? Cedric Wilson will probably be that third threat this year, and if not, if it's not him, you know who's it going to be? Your boy. Gusecki. Why? Because he just got opted in. Dolphins know that they got to pay him, and now they're expecting him to perform to earn that money. Yeah. And he's gonna and and we saw it last year, right? We saw him be open and open to targets and open for passes and make really big catches. So him and two will probably have that. Hey, I can trust you. You can trust me. Throw it up whenever you need a, a an emergency exit. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm not really. Looking fair, at Sanu as enough. a productive guy. Now, if you tell me Sanu is in there and he's helping all of these guys get adjusted to the playbook, get adjusted to the audibles, and get that's, adjusted. That's exactly what I mean. It's just good that's to different. have that. At, like, like I said, he's a journeyman. He's a veteran. He, he's yes. a locker room guy, right? Professional. Right, exactly. He's going to go in there and he's going to do his job. And on top of that, so this is football, baby. Yeah, you, People get hurt. Fly, people get hurt. People you get never hurt. know, Dougie. So it's, it doesn't hurt to have another body like that. At least it's not a no name. For sure. Somebody that we're like, what the hell? Why would we go after? Like, I'm cool with that. We didn't give up anything crazy for it so anyways it's not that bad moving on let's focus to like you said the running back room yeah they're looking healthy you know really nice what was that they're looking healthy (laughs) they're looking really really healthy uh, and really, really nice. And really, really nice. What have you seen? Uh, I've seen. I, mo- I'm just focusing on two and the and the receivers, dog. Well, defense. I've noticed that uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm reading on Twitter from the reporters and fans themselves, right? They're looking at uh, Moser and saying this dude is back to speed, you know. And it's crazy because he just got cleared like about a week ago before training camp even really kicked off for the Dolphins, and he's he's acting like nothing ever happened to him, and and that shit has me that. Has me encouraged and and excited sure. for sure because his big playability is is just nasty because he has that speed, bro. He's a big body, no a big dude, man, who can break tackles to get that speed going. Yeah, and we saw the type of home run plays that he was putting up for San Francisco last year before he got hurt. We talked about it. He was one of the leading rushers in the NFL and putting up crazy touchdowns week in, week out. Yeah, he was for, one of my starters in fantasy last year. You know what I mean? And and really productive. Me. Really productive dude. So when when I heard that he was going to be a full goal for training camp, I was like, holy shit, this dude is ahead of schedule. You could tell that he was working to prove something, you know? And then, like, that competition between him and Chase Edwards is going to be... Edmonds. Edmonds, right. Is going to be something to, to really focus on. Because those two guys... Are, are essentially battling for an extra 15 carries per game. 
You know, who's going to touch the rock an extra six, seven times per game? And who's going to make the bigger play? The good thing for the for for two is that those guys are interchangeable, right? It's not like you're losing a lot when one of those guys are in or out. I just feel like Mozart has that bigger playability, so I want him to see more opportunities on the field. But I'm happy to see how that battle turns out because, unfortunately, I feel like Miles Gaskin is going to be returning punts. For the team until he gets kicked off, you very, know, because it was Waddle, well. and, and now you're not gonna have Waddle taking that risk no, anymore, absolutely. right? Maybe so, Tyreek. Nah, man. depends where nah, we're at in the man. game. If we need nah, a big play, they put Tyreek, and you know Stop. how that goes. But um, I, yeah, it's tough, man. I'm looking at an article right now from uh, FinFanatic.com, and the the headline of the article this is from four weeks ago is ranking the Miami Dolphins running backs is no easy task in 2022. No, I don't think we've ever been able to say that ever. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I should have worn my back, Ricky jersey. Going dog. back to the 20 years, Ricky Williams my has dog. been the best running back we've had, and we all know. Time out. He's probably been the best running back in Dolphins history. Nah, some old-timers might ah, disagree. Ah, you know, nah. rings and whatnot. They didn't break 50 tackles in a game. But I agree, yeah. It's a Ricky Williams was, has by, by far been the best running back. If you're talking about pure athleticism at the position that right. he's playing, Ricky Williams is that guy. But um, besides that, Ronnie Brown was the big name we drafted that, right. you know, the wildcat and shit. And, nah, and he was serviceable, serviceable, but nothing really came about that nope. after that. And then who do, who have well, who else have we really had? So that's it. That's it. You know, no, none of the other guys are worth are worth mentioning. Lamar. What was the guy's name? Lamar. Forget about that guy. Day, yeah, dog. Uh, I forget his name now. But long story short, now we have a plethora of running backs that aren't tier one running backs by any means. Right. You know what I mean? These are not the best running backs in the NFL, but they've shown a lot of promise already. And we see, we have the history of them being able to make plays. And now you talked about, uh, most are, you know, looking like he has something to prove. That's why he came back so fast. Right. I mean, the reality is, you know, these, the careers for NFL running backs is not very long. It's, you have a very, very short window. So you have to do something because you do, you do have something to prove. He's trying to get that contract. Right. right? So it's, it's do or die, which is only good for us as fans because we know he's going to leave it all out there. Now the question is, can he be healthy? Yeah, that's that's a quick, big question for all of them, right? For Michelle, for Moser, for for Edmonds, can they be healthy? You know, and even if they're not, my idea behind those having those three guys, right, would be: can we get five really good games out of them? That's fifteen games, right? Plus the bye week, you know, you're down to sixteen games, and and you're potentially looking at something where you're like, all right. Can, can I find some consistency for, for five games from either one of these guys? Because if they do provide that, then I'm in a good position for those three periods of the season, right? Those first five games where you have somebody who really pops off. Let's say Mozart gets off the board running and he has eight touchdowns in those four or five games. Shit, perfect. You you got your money's worth for Mozart. And now you throw in Chris uh, Chase Edmonds in there and he starts to blow up. And now maybe Mozart sits those next four games. Or it doesn't play as, as get as many snaps or whatever. You have these options where before we lost the running back and it was like, well, the disparity, this disparity, this, yeah, the disparity between point A and point B is a huge gap as opposed to these guys. Like going from, from Chase Edmonds to Raheem Mostar is what? Not a big gap. Right, they're kind of like neck and neck, and then if you put uh, Mozart and then uh, Sony Michelle or Chase Edmonds and Sony Michelle, what's the big thing separating those guys? Not a whole lot. 
you know, so we'll be able to get production from all three of those guys in different different aspects of the season, and hopefully they can at least, like I said, be healthy for five games and give us a five a good five good games. If the, each one of those running backs can give us five good games at some point this season, we'll be really nasty, really nasty, and it really depends on the O line too what they can what they can put so together. They're very similar. They're very very similar. Absolutely. So you're talking Raheem Mostert, thirty years old. He's five ten, two hundred and five pounds. And you got Chase Edmond. He's a little younger. He's 26, and he's 5'9", 210. So very Chase, similar. Moser is obviously way faster than, than Edmonds, but that doesn't mean that Edmonds wouldn't be able to get into some is open space. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, bro, Moser is like one of the fastest dudes in the NFL, dog. He's in that okay. 1%. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. He's in that 1%. Um, but what I'm saying is like, Edmonds could probably, if he finds a gap and takes off and only has to run 30 yards, he could probably run away from anybody. You know what I mean? Sony Michelle. We, we've seen it. 5'11", 215. Big dude, right? And he could, like I said, if he gets into a spot where he breaks tackles for in those first 15, 20 yards, and then he only has another 20 yards to run for a touchdown, I'm sure he can get away from people. All three of those guys have that aspect. All three of those guys can take a, a, a good tackle, right? Break a good tackle. Sure. All we need for them is to be healthy. If they can be healthy and give us five good games, bruh, bruh, we'll be the offense will be leaps and bounds better, right? Because now we have a real threat that we didn't even ha- like come close to last year. What were we ranked dead last in like running the ball and shit like that? No, no, it was awful. And O line, you want to talk about that? But we've gone and we've done upgrades. We got Armstead, right? Right. We got uh, a couple other pieces there. Well, we've seen just a, a a realignment, right, of where these guys are going to be on the offensive line of the ball. And as far as like who's playing left tackle, who's playing right tackle, who's playing, you know, and right now when you look at it, you have Armstead at left, right? Um, Eckenberg at, at left guard. They have Connor Williams starting at center. You got Hunt at right guard. And then you have Austin Jackson playing right tackle. That's an okay lineup, right? It, obviously, it's going to be a different, a different level because now Armstead is there and he's going to be able to. To alleviate so much pressure on the rest of the guys, right? By being able to take two men, uh, uh, like a, a uh, like a team. double team mm-hmm. or something like that, and just kind of neutralize that pressure and maybe make it a little bit easier job for everybody, and that elevates their performance. You know, who knows? And right now in training camp, it's hard for us anybody to get a read on how good the offensive line is. Yeah, no, we gotta wait. I mean, you gotta wait. We have a preseason game. Our first one is August thirteenth against the Bucks, and and even still, that that still won't be right. the best indicator because it's it's still preseason, right? We're Correct. not gonna get to see it all until it's week one. But obviously, I mean, we I, have something to look forward to. Yeah, for know. sure. And, and and look, let's be honest. You know, yeah, those preseason games don't really mean that much. But two things that you can walk away from, right? Who's lined up where and who's starting, right? Especially that first preseason game, that's going to tell a lot as far as who's been playing the best or who's looked the best in training camp. Where's everybody going to line up on that offensive line? Uh, and also, like, the, you can also tell, like, what type of packages they're trying to run with those guys in there. Are we trying to be a run, like a run-dependent team when we have these five guys in there? Are we looking to pass more? What's that dynamic going to look like? I sure. think those are the things that you could walk away with from, you know, not necessarily evaluate too much on performances because we know that two is going to go out there and take three snaps and be done with the night. Maybe a little bit more. We don't know what Mike McDaniel's style is going to be when it comes to approaching preseason, right? His first time being a head coach, he has new players and new elements that he's trying to bring together both on offense and defense. Like 
you kind of want to get a real good for the team. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he has those guys go full steam in preseason game. And we're going to be at one of those games, aren't we? Yes, sir. It looks yes, like sir. It. I think we, got it <coughs> we got it on the calendar, I believe. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. Totally we're, forgot about that until you just mentioned it. Like, yes, are sir. We going? Oh, yeah, we are. We're going to be going to the third preseason yeah. game. That's going to be against the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Playing here at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, it's going to be dope. We're going to make a little event out of it. We'll drop the information on like where we're going to be at and if you want to pass by and say what's up um let us know hit us up in the dm and we can possibly hang out and do some sports with social stuff but it's I, I'm, I'm excited about going to see them in person just i know that third preseason game is probably it could be two things it could either be a dress rehearsal for the real season or it can be a, i'm fighting for my job and i'm trying to figure out what this offense is going to look like yeah, it's going to be interesting this year because there's one less preseason game. Right. So we, usually that last one. Uh, and look, that that those first three games. the last one, I can't remember now. If the last one they played just the first entire half or if it was just a couple drives and then the, the like the second, you know, Barry team comes in and all that. I know the third game for sure they did. They would play the, like the whole first half. I think the last game of the season traditionally was like that game where none of them played because it was like we don't want to get hurt before the Correct. season. Now you only have three games, so do you only play two the first two games and then the third one you, you kind of rest your starters? Or since there's only three preseason, preseason games, do you play everybody at least a half? Or do you or risk that injury? You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough decision. But I think for McDaniel and his offense – I, I think he should lean on playing and finding some type of chemistry. You don't want to go into week one looking for chemistry. We're playing New England. Like, yeah, we need to be able to come in there prepared and, and we got to beat them. I mean, it's a division it, game. It, it's it's, it's going to be Joel. It's a it's a second time that we start first, the season with a divisional rival. Right. And it's our first look at the new Dolphins. Yeah, we have some pieces. You know, the defense for the most part is all pretty similar. The offense has a few, you know, consistent pieces, right? Tight end, right. receiver, quarterback. Um, but we have a whole new um, captain at the helm. Yeah, man. That, it's going to be that, different. That's huge right there, man. It's going to be different. That, that's what the players are going to be used to. You know, there's something else. Now, you know, we got to see if they're acclimated already, if they're right, comfortable and they, they, they can vibe off of each other, vibe off of each other and play off of each other and True. shit. So, I don't know, dog. But Look, the, my main sentiment, dog, of all this Dolphins is, dog, that, you're hype. is that I'm super fucking hype. So, because I was telling somebody, and obviously it's like, yo, this is the same shit Dolphin season every year. We get super <laughs> hype at the beginning of the season. Come week eight, we're one and seven, and we're fucking livid. And it's like, yo, I hate the Dolphins. I hate football. I, I don't want to look at anybody. But you know Here what? Here comes a four-game win streak. But you know what, bro? Right now is the time. This is the time to just kind of bask in it. Be excited. I mean, right now, dog, we have the most promising team that we've had. I mean, True. I, you can say whatever you want about the team that with the with Tannehill, no. where we you know made this it one is the it. playoffs maybe, or I don't even know if we did or we, we tried to. No, we made the playoffs, but Matt Moore started the playoff game. He was so hurt. like that that whole team, like the last twenty years of Dolphins have been absolutely tragic ever since Dan Marino. This is finally, in my opinion, really <laughs> the first glimpse of hope. That we have to be a playoff team. This is the best chance we have, honestly. My bro, I don't want to take this away from you, but let's let's not use that word hope, right? Let's use the word earned expectations, right? Because they have earned the expectations, right? Chris Gear has gone out there and made the right moves. He's hit on his draft picks. He's signed players. Cool. He's gone out there and made trades. We've stuck with Tool. We've promoted Tool. All this stuff. Cool. So those are the earned expectations on what the season should be. Right. 
we would both agree right now that a winning season would be good, but not good enough. We want to be in that playoff, really in that playoff hunt. Not no wild card shit where we're four games, three games behind and we need X to lose. And then this guy to be this guy for us to sneak in. No. For, for once, it'd be nice to not have to worry. For us to that. be in the driver's seat of who's in that wild card, right? I want to be right behind fucking Buffalo. Right on them, dog. Right? Because they're they're the kings of the division. We need to get through them mm-hmm. to get into that top dog spot. Sure. So we need to be right above that. And I don't want to be in no chase battling with XYZ team. I don't want to do that. I want to see this team really challenge for a playoff spot. Meaning play consistent football throughout the entire year. Don't give me no four game, five game losing streaks and then coming back and then getting another six, seven game winning streak for us to be hype about trying to make the playoffs again. Nah, I want to see consistent football. Lose a game here and there. Lose two games in a row if you want to. But have consistency. Show me that. That's that's what I want. Above all, win games, baby. Yeah, I'm, Wing I'm, games. I'm hype, man. Uh, the yeah, training man. camps look fun. I think I'm gonna try to get out there to one of them, man. One of these Saturdays or something. Yeah, let's set it up. Let's set um, it up. You know, sit my hat, my ass in the hot ass sun. But <laughs> you know, out there supporting my team. I gotta get a jersey. Might be Tyreek. It might be Waddle. It might be Waddle. We'll find know. out we here. Gotta, we gotta post that poll. <laughs> we'll find out um, here. We'll, yo, actually, you know what? We're gonna make that a Twitter poll. We're gonna put what what jersey should Joel get? That's that. Well, well, who would you get, Tyreek? Nah, know. what jersey does Joel get? And then we'll let the people decide. You guys decide. What jersey I'm gonna buy? Bingo! And then you can send me the you know two dollars on Venmo. We'll put his Venmo right under for a dollar. You can put a dollar in. Dog, the Dolphins, I mean, football season is gonna be wild. We're gonna be going in on Dolphins. I'm sorry if you guys don't like the Dolphins talk or the football talk. Why do you live in Miami? Get out of here. Listen to another podcast because you're gonna be getting a whole lot more of it coming up this this Dolphin season, man. I mean, this is our team. Yeah, this This is it. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're bought in yet, but Uh, bro, listen, I'm I'm lifelong Dolphins fan. You know, but I'm also a Dolphins fan that's hard, his heart broken, repaired, broken, repaired, broken, and repaired. We've all I'm, been there. I'm not trying to get it broken. I like my heart. I like my, you know, my stress level to be low. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't need this Dolphins team raising up my stress. I want to enjoy this team. I want to see this team play exciting football. Yes, sir. I think we're going to get that this year. Oh, yeah. I really think we're going to get that this year. Talking about exciting, bro, we had an exciting uh, UFC card, 277, over the weekend. We saw Amanda, Amanda Nunes versus. Juliana Pena in the rematch for that uh, belt. One person on the show called that. <laughs> just saying. Point him out. I don't know, dog. I'm Point him out, dog. One of us said Nunes was going to win. Yeah, but now they have to run it back. I, I, for sure, they have to make it a trilogy, Yo, but, right? Did you see Pena's face. Yeah, dog. She took a beating, and um, you know, mad props to her, bro. What a tough, 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 tough. Both of them. Tough. Tough individual. Bro, she got rocked like four times, knocked down like five times. And every time she would lay down on her like on her back, recuperate for those five to ten seconds, referee would stand them up, and she would be boom, right back in fight mode, bro. She champion, bro. Bro, what a motor, dog. What a motor. What a motor that lady has in her, bro. Because yeah. she just never stopped bringing the pressure. And that's probably why she got knocked down a bunch of times, right? Because she was bringing the fight to Amanda, right? And like not afraid to walk her down, not afraid sure. to eat her punches, not afraid to to try to attack her, right? And try to land some punches of her own. But to your to your point, right? We saw Amanda put a a real boxing clinic in that octagon because the overhand rights that she was catching Juliana with and the hooks that she was knocking her down with 
were some of the most precise punches I've ever seen thrown in the octagon. And you can tell that her ability to change stances, right? She was going neutral, and then she was going softball, and then she was going back to original, and then she'd go back to softball. That whole thing messed up Juliana's mind because sure. she had no idea where I those mean, punches you gotta, were coming from. You got to switch up your game plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we, we saw what well, was able to keep Juliana in this fight was what helped her win the last fight. Right. Right? And Nunes was just not prepared for that. It was just different than everybody else that she's been able to go in there and just kind of pick, pick apart. And that got to her, you know, and that obviously we saw what happened in that last fight um, with Juliana winning. But coming into this fight, it, 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 that's why I said it, man. Nunez is that type. She's she's a different breed. You know, we said on this show, yeah. she is arguably the best fighter pound for pound in the UFC, male or or, right. or female. What a champion. Um, And, you know, she has that in her where she can definitely come back, learn from her mistakes, change her game plan. And executed to perfection, dude. Yeah, and yeah. It was a fucking clinic, bro. It was. She was. She was teeing off on Juliana Pena, bro, bro. And and again, like Amanda. And this fight went the distance. The distance. Just, in case you guys didn't watch this fight, this was this in a, went to a decision. And Amanda and, won by unanimous decision. <laughs> and in those what five rounds, right? Yeah. It was just. It was absolutely brutal to see. How, I mean, just look at the picture of her face, how, bro. If you look bro. at the picture of her face, it's awful. Bro, Juliana landed uh, 130. Um, I'm sorry, Amanda landed 130. Juliana landed 126. Like, significant strikes were there. Juliana Juliana landed 60. Amanda landed 85. That's 145 significant punches between these women, dog. Like, what are we talking about? This was a war. And Amanda was like... A, a, a beast, Bro, literally the, a lioness in that octagon. The right on side Saturday. of Juliana's face is was destroyed. Bro. And look, man, it really is because you could tell when she Eyes she caught her. Shut. She caught her. I think it was in the third or fourth round. She caught her where she was able to mount her right and got had her in like full mount for maybe about a minute, right. 45 to 60 seconds and in those 45 to 60 seconds not only was she able to land uh actual punches on her but she started landing some vicious elbows and that's what cut juliana a lot towards like the top of her Mm -hmm. forehead immediately bleeding profusely from that from those cuts and you can tell that they were not discouraging juliana right but they were actually winning more points for amanda and just showing her dominance in that fight uh, but I got to give, again, mad respect to Juliana. She defended the belt. She wasn't afraid to fight Amanda. She wasn't afraid to attack Amanda and go towards her. Like you said, a lot of women in that division and in that sport ultimately try to shy away from fighting Amanda Nunes, right? Or they think that they can hang until they're actually locked in there and Amanda punches them one time and they're like, oh, shit, I got to change my game plan. Juliana did not do that. She she went out there and fought and knew that it was going to be a battle and was prepared for it. Um, I'm interested in seeing the trilogy, bro. Do do you think? Speaking of the trilogy, do you think uh, the third fight would happen? Yeah. by the end of the year, probably not, man. Juliana's going to need some time she, to recover. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's that's too brutal. quick. Too quick. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking like maybe they fight around March yeah, or, or late February, yeah. and just bring that new like, like start off that new year with a bang and like three straight heavy like pay-per-view cards and they and that could definitely be one of them man oh yeah um we also saw an interim champion get crowned that night brandon moreno uh beat kai Cara france um from the australia kickboxer yeah a really good kickboxer really good knockout power uh but brandon bro these mexicans man and when it comes to combat sports these guys have it's in their blood bro like these guys don't quit ever <laughs> yo homie looks sharp 
Sharp is an understatement, bro, because he was extremely precise. And and I knew it because Kai is usually really good when it comes to stand-up. And he couldn't get close to really doing the type of damage or landing the type of big blow that he wanted to on Brandon. And, bro, Brandon just really he, showed he why him. he should be the champion. He caught him a couple times. Oh, yeah. He definitely caught him because um, Moreno had, you know, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He had yeah. a couple cuts over his right, his right, right cheek, and he had a couple. He was kind of bruised up, but, bro, he was just vicious. He was, he was just eating all of that yeah, and dude. then just giving you back twice as much as you just gave him, dog, which was bad. Yeah. And ultimately, he ended up winning that fight uh, Via kick. What, in the third round. Yeah. He not, and, and, bro, and you know what's funny? You mentioned that cut under his right eye. Mm-hmm. It was after he got that that he came back and won in the third round. Because that happened towards the end, in the middle of the second round, where where Kai was doing a really good job of like bringing the fight back towards his side, right in his uh, his range, where he felt comfortable doing whatever he needed wanted to do in that fight with his game plan. And bro, he just rocked Brandon that one time, and you can tell that Brandon was pissed that he hit him. Yeah. Brandon came out that third round and immediately just was all over Kai. Immediately all over Kai. Just relentless pressure, relentless punching, relentless attempts. And then ultimately he ended up with that kick that just wobbled the crap out of Kai. And then once he hit him with that follow-up punch and it was like, all right, the referee, it's a wrap. And you can tell that Kai is like too disoriented to defend himself. So they did the right thing of, of stopping the fight. But look how hardcore both of these guys are, bro. Um, Kai went up to him and was like, bro, you fucking rocked me. You know, you, you caught me good. All credit to you. You deserve to be champ. Brandon told him right back, had you not fucked me up and hit me right here, I probably wouldn't have gotten inspired. Thank you. You woke me up. Sportsmanship, bro. Sportsmanship. That, that warrior mentality, dog. I'm telling you, that, that type of level of respect for the art and the fighting is like unmatched. It's just unmatched, bro. Unmatched. Because even in jujitsu tournaments, I've seen guys like talking shit. You've seen guys at re- wrestling matches in college, like calling people out, talking shit. And I mean, it, it happens, you know, it like does. Talking, to, talking to Frank, you know, Francesco. Yeah. Vicky, shout out to the homie. Video is going to be live uh, this week. Friday, 8 a.m. Um, got the interview coming up. But, you know, you, know, you talk to him, you know, and he has a lot of respect for the fight game. Yeah. You know, in that interview. But then there's a lot of people that he has bad blood with for one reason or another. And right. It's all real and, and it's all uh you know authentic so you know we it's it's good to, you know obviously we like to see the authentic you know brawls and like right. the real bad blood the conor mcgregor starting shit at the presser and all that but we we also like to see like when when two fighters can go you know what bro hell of a job they can commend each other shake each other's hand and, and then run it back and look we've even seen it with conor and nate diaz and those two guys are are guys that you would not expect that from right where when they fought both times that they fought it's like all right mother effort i'll see you the next time or all right you got me i'm gonna get you next time right that that's not like, not necessarily killing the beef, but it's like that respect. You got me. Cool. We're doing we're doing this again because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We fight. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, balls, bro. Man. It takes a it takes a different set of balls, dog, for sure, or whatever else. But a you, bigger set. You gotta have that. You gotta have that. A hairier set. And real quick, just to wrap up on UFC two seventy seven. Um, I think we saw the end. Of two guys being in the UFC for for Ooh, quite some I time. Can I take a guess? Can I take a guess? Sure. Take, take a guess for the first one. Derek Lewis. Yep. That's the one. And the second one? 
Anthony Smith. Bingo, we got a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, man, I agree with you completely. Yeah, bro. Uh, and it's unfortunate for Anthony Smith because he's been a real gamesman for this sport, right? And always willing to fight. He's fought everybody, every, sing- everybody, every single contender that or person that has held the belt. This dude has gone after. And for him to kind of like have that injury where he broke his ankle, checking a kick or like throwing a kick, it was like, oh, fuck. You know, rough to see and like... Just lets you know, you know, that these younger guys, the dude that he was fighting, uh, Mahogman Ankleth, I hope I'm saying his last name right. Yeah, um, something like that. Something like that. Uh, that dude is a young bull. Like, he ain't no bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, that dude was out there to hurt Anthony Smith. Yeah, he just improved to 18-1 and one after that. He's not a joke, you know? And Anthony Smith is that old guard, you know what I mean? So, same thing with Derek Lewis, man. Um, that guy, Sergei Pavlich, said he was fighting 16-1, and one, you know? And Derek is coming off to back-to-back-to-back losses, like... He hasn't looked impressive. This is the second time he gets like knocked out in his yeah. in his home. Now it's controversial, super controversial how they stopped that fight. Yeah, right? That's what I was going to ask you right now. How he, he did won, you he think they should have stopped it? I think so. I think so too. And and I, and I don't say that because he was seriously hurt, but I'm just saying the position that he was in had the ref not came. Like, there's no telling what type of damage. Derek would have taken and then like what he gets caught with a punch to the back of the head or even close to it to the side like. Yeah. Talking, these are heavyweights, bro. Heavyweights, bro. And and these guys were fucking throwing bombs at each other, man. Like, there was no jabs nah, here. It was a little controversial because he did get up and he was like, yo, I'm ready to fight, right? That was right. kind of the reaction from Derek Lewis. And while while um this guy, Sergey, was already celebrating and shit. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> It just, I think, I agree with you, man. It just, it, he would have taken so much damage had that not been called. I just feel like unnecessary damage. Like that's it, dude. End of the road for you, bro. You're not going to contend for another heavyweight title. Like we, you had your run in the UFC. We get it. Your balls are hot. Great, one of the greatest <laughs> UFC interview clips ever. Best knockout artist in UFC. Amazing knockout. Some of the greatest fights, right? So right. Against, he's talking heavyweight, so it's been some crazy bouts against people that he's fought. But you know, I think it's time for for him to. Just to hang it up. Just the fact that we've heard other fighters come out and just say, like, you know what? It, it does something to a, to a fighter when they get their lights shut off multiple times, right? Because then you kind of become susceptible to it, and it starts happening more often and more often and more often. Like I said, this dude has gotten knocked out three of the last times. Like, that shit that is not normal for Derek Lewis. It's not normal for the heavyweight division. Once that shit starts happening in the in the heavyweight division where anybody's just knocking you down, anybody's just knocking you down or yeah. out. Sorry, bro. Like Nobody needs that in there. Nobody life. needs that, dog. And, and I get it. You're a warrior. You're down to fight. But at the same time, I'm not down to see you get knocked out for no reason. You know? I'd rather see two guys who can p- potentially withstand that. Continue to go at it. Yeah. I don't think that he can go at it. But yeah. We'll see what happens with his contract and that whole deal. Same thing with Anthony Smith. Um, let's pivot to the Marlins. Uh, losers of, I think it's what, six straight now? Uh, it's been rough, It's man. been rough. You it's know? been rough. But the, the, you know, Pablo Lopez gets rocked. Lasts two and a half, two quarters inning. Shortest inning, uh, shortest outage of his career. Sandy gets rocked by the Mets. Mets are on fire. They're yeah. beating everybody. It's just beat the the Yankees. Come down here, swept us, go up, and just won their last two games. Like, right. I, I don't know, man. Like, it's going to be a tough finish for this Marlins team, bro, because we have so many injuries in key positions. Like, no, we hit it on it. We hit on it last and week. And the one guy that's missing the most is Jazz, dude. That's, that's the consensus. Everybody feels that Fuck. way. 
Uh, he's still out for another four to five weeks, I think. Yep. Which pretty much the put, season. A, put a ball on it. That's <laughs> it. That's the season. I mean, what, what are we going to do? What, why, why are we going to bring him back at the end of the season for what? You for know what? what? I mean? Let's start figuring out next year. But we talked about it on last episode. We don't got to, you know, beat a dead horse. But, you know, the Marlins got to take this time to figure out what moves or what we can make, what moves we can make, or like start making those moves already. If yeah. they haven't already thought about that, which I'm sure they have. I don't know. And we need to let these younger guys that we've talked about come up, get some play time. Uh, obviously you're paying some certain guys. You, we got to get our money's worth for those guys. We're going right. to try to put fans in the stands, try to win games, but we need to try to try to get some of these other guys that are have potential for next season to come up to to try to get some of that playtime already, you know. Yeah, and is and look, man, you know, you, you would love for the Marlins to be sellers, right? Obviously, we don't want them to buy players at this point. But it's crazy for me to hear Don Mattingly say, "Yeah, we're still in the wild heart, in the wild card chase, and whatnot." And I'm just thinking to myself, like, why would you even say that? You know, you're putting a, an unrealistic expectation on a team that you know won't be there when it comes to it. You know what I mean, like. What's the point of that, you know? And I personally didn't like it because I feel like that's him saying, well, we could have had a contender. But, man, you're eight games from that wild card. You know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about? Why are you mentioning that? Why are you putting in the, the fans' idea that we should be trading for players? No, if anything, we should be evaluating the players that we have and seeing who we can sell, right? Because at this point, we know we're not going to make the wild card. We know we're not going to make the playoffs. We need to plan for next year and see what we can bring in. Even if we bring in a bat, right, that's not the world's best bat, and we get a guy who can hit or a 275. Nah, man, just bring in a guy who can hit 275 and play consistent. Be a Garrett Cooper. Show up. Play 90-something games, 120-something games for us. I'd rather that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather that. I'd rather you sell for something that's going to be productive. Not necessarily a big name. I don't need a big name, but I need guys who can step in and, and, and step up, right? It can't just be jazz. It can't just be us waiting for Jorge Soler to, to pop off. Nah, I, I need to see the guys like Brian De La Cruz get their shot. You know, I need to see that because those are young guys that I know if we gave them the opportunity to say, hey, can we slot you in there for 130 games this year? He's going to be like, hell yeah. Put me in, coach. Until I get hurt, I'm, I'm down to play. I'm down to get those reps. That's what I want to see, man. That's what I think the Marlins really need because there's no way they're going to catch up to, let's say, the Panthers, to the Heat, to the Dolphins without really investing in the team and in the youth. We saw how the Panthers did it little by little, investing, draft picks, this guy, this guy. Oh, we have a core. Boom. Go get stars. Go play. Go start paying for players. We know that that's the Heat MO. And now we saw that the Dolphins were slacking on that and they went out, drafted core players, getting pieces around them, pieces around it. Hey, let's push. That's what the Marlins have to do. They need to find a way to find to get that done, bro. Yeah. Right, well, it starts with the team. The team needs to be formed. You know, we need to build. Well, obviously, yeah. this team is not it. We have pieces. You know, we have our Sandy. We have our ace, right? Right. Sandy. We have a couple other good pitchers on there, that, that staff as well. <coughs> yeah, like Pablo a, Lopez. A couple key positional guys like Jazz and Garrett Cooper, Mr. Consistent, right? We can entertain keeping him. Um, we got... Um, we we got a couple pieces to work with, but yeah, we we need to figure out what's the best way to to create a playoff type team, right? And what does that entail? I mean, I, yeah. I I don't know, but it's definitely not what we got right now. Hell no. And then once we can create that team, then it's about all right. Now we got to win games with that team, right? Because you can still have a raw team and then you don't go out and win games. Right, right now we're not winning games, but we don't got a raw team, so no. it kind of goes hand in hand. And then we're not in it. We're not enticing for players either. We're not getting. 
free agents that want to come and play in Miami, bro. No. So that just makes it another hurdle in our way of creating a great team. So we got to draft. We got to trade. We got to try to do something, man, because it's, 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 this ain't it, Chief. No, nah, it's not it. And, and look, if, if we look at the team stats, the Marlins are not there, right? They're ranked last pretty much in every single batting category that exists or has ever existed or will exist for this season. Go on. Right? <laughs> oh, you don't say. What's the problem? Um, in this universe or any metaverse. Right. And, and the problem is that we don't have enough guys that are hitting the ball consistently, bro. Jazz is still leading the home runs. No, but I don't even want to talk about Marlins no more, though. Let's wrap this up. Bro, yeah, on. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Come on, dog. You know what like, I mean? Jazz has been out, and he's still leading the team with home runs and RBIs. How? How? You know what I mean? Like, that can't be the type of production that we're getting on this team. Not saying that he's an, an issue or, oh, whatever. No, that's great for Jazz. He That shows that he's been balling, right? But, shit, you're telling me nobody else? Nobody else? Where is Jesus Sanchez? You know what I mean? He's, you want to know how many home runs he has? It's going to be sad, bro. He's at 12. 12. A guy that last year had like 20-something. In 91 games played with 293 at-bats. So it's not like he hasn't gotten opportunities. Jazz, on the other hand, 60 game plays, 213 at-bats. And he has, Jesus Sanchez only has six more hits than Jazz. Uh, you're getting me upset, dog. Yeah, but that's a, that. But <laughs> it's not to get you upset, bro. I know, but it's just to point out where where the Marlins need to go. No, yeah, they need gotta, to find bats. No, when you talk about ASAP. that, we got to get rid. We got to re- reset, bro. Reset. Goodbye. You know? Sell some guys. Bring some new fresh. Hard blood decisions, in here. brother. Hey, bro, we're trying to re- do something different here. And again, it doesn't mean go out there and sign the big names. Go sign guys who are. Virtually unknown. Maybe a lot of people don't pay attention to them because they don't put up the flashy numbers, but they're fucking consistent. Yep. Go get those guys. That's what I want. That's what I want for this Marlins team. And then let the youth do their thing, right? Because we have enough youth. Let the youth do their thing and bring in some consistent guys. Because, look, Gary Cooper has been really, really good for this Marlins team, and he's nothing special, bro. No diss to him, of course. We love you, Gary. But what I mean is, like, he's not a big name. He's not a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs or something. No, but what has he done? He's been late almost every single game for the Martins. Ha- has been really consistent with his batting. Really consistent with his hitting. Really consistent defensively. Like, what's up? What are we, You know, like, what are we talking about? Those are baseball players. God damn it. <laughs> That's what we need, baseball players, you know? But let's yep. see. Let's see what Kim Bang does, bro. The pressure's on you, lady. What do we got uh, to look forward to for this weekend? The Frank, the Tank, uh, baseball. Forget about baseball, man. The Marlins are going to play Cincinnati. They're playing right now. They're already losing two zip. So (laughs) there goes that. Um, And then let's see what their schedule's like. They have Cincinnati. Then they have another road trip against Chicago. And then Philadelphia, back home against Atlanta. So... Tough teams. Going to be on the road for a while. Playing at home right now. Uh, Luzardo is back, so that's cool. Let's see what happens. Okay. Let's see what happens. We'll keep you guys posted. We'll, we'll keep let you know posted. how this next week goes. But more importantly, what you should be looking forward to is our Francesco Ricci F interview. Ricky. Ricky F uh, interview that we have. Uh, the Francesco, Francesco Ricky. There you go. Francesco Ricky. Yeah, you got to say it with the Italian swag. You know you do say it wrong in the beginning of the interview anyway. That's what I do, baby. You know me and names, man. I suck. Yeah. But <laughs> Frank is the man, bro. And he gave us his time and access to his gym. Uh, really dope environment. We've told you guys about it before. And like we said, we're dropping it this Friday. So make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to hit that like button, hit that comment button, and drop that subscribe button yeah, because we need like that. that. We need that. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's wrap it up. But yeah, uh, 
on the docket. Francesco Riki video dropping this Friday, 8 a.m. Check that out. 40 minute interview with Shout the out current to Frank, man. interim uh, BKFC middleweight champion. And uh, real cool dude. Gave us some time, like he said, real dope interview. And we also got the 365 championship game coming up too. So stay tuned for that. Also coming out on YouTube. That game was dope. Great Amazing. way to season. We got it all. Shout out to um, both teams, the Empire and Bombs Over Baghdad, bro, for putting out, on performance. Shout out to 365. Shout out to the Empire. Shout out to Rax. And that's it for me. That's it for me too. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.